Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Good, good to have you in church. Hey, we are starting a brand new series called uh, Let There Be Light. I almost said take me where the light is because that's in my head right now. Let there be light today. And uh, as we jump in, I want to let you know about some invite cards that you're going to get on the way out the door. Uh, how many of you have seen some of our bus ads running around the city? Uh, the, awesome. Thank you. Uh, we just ran a new batch of those for Christmas, and it says, Welcome Home for the Holidays, and it's in a lovely Christmas green. And uh, we would like everyone from our church, if you could, on the way out the door today, grab a couple of these invite cards because people are going to be seeing those bus ads and your friends and co-workers are probably going to see those bus ads and they're going to see some Facebook ads and you know someone asked me they're like why are you guys like so relentless about marketing like you're just trying to like you know build this enterprise called church I said no man I just want people to know that we're here because if people show up and they experience what we experience every single week then they're going to leave this place filled with hope and joy and that's what we want especially during the holidays so grab a couple of these on on the way out the door and uh, invite some friends and some family members to come to church we have got an incredible Christmas service planned on December 23rd and uh, it's going to be just picture like the nutcracker on crack yeah it's going to be awesome okay it's going to be amazing so invite all your friends and your family members and you will be glad you did Uh, so let there be light that is the name of this series and uh, the reason for that is because I think we could all universally agree that our world seems to be getting darker and darker the longer we're on it could we all agree with that today Uh, by the way that's not a surprise Jesus promised it in scripture and he said, hey, there's going to be an increase in wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and some bad stuff's going to happen. But don't worry, I am with you, yea, even unto the end of the age. But if you consider our world today, and I'm not that old, I'm 35, but if I just think back, why did you laugh at that? <laughs> is that old? I don't know. You're not that old, 35 is historic, whatever, okay? Uh, but, but when I think just back 20 25 years ago when I was younger to the moral climate of our world and then I look at where we're at today, uh, there's been a bit of a decline. Um, When you think about the political climate, when you think about the increases I mentioned a moment ago and suicide rates and depression and you look at even natural disasters seem to be increasing on a rapid scale, like our world is getting tired and things seem to be getting darker and darker and darker. Yet, thank God for those of us who love Jesus and are sitting in his house today, we serve the God who promises to be light in the midst of darkness. If there was ever a time where we so desperately needed light to enter our world, I think we're living in it right now. There is a desperate need for light in the darkness that we face every single day. And so our key scripture as we go into this series for the next couple of weeks, it's found in John chapter 1, verse 5. They're going to bring it up on the screens. But here's what it says. Jesus, no, oh, there it is. Jesus is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Come on, isn't that a good promise today? Jesus is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That is our promise as believers in Jesus, that there is a light that shines in the midst of our lives. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're walking through, there is a light. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the weeks to come, but I've been convinced over the last few weeks as we've been studying this out that light is perhaps the predominant theme of scripture. And now I know that there's some Bible scholars in the room. You're like, no, actually the Bible is all about Jesus, Tim. Yes, I understand it's all about Jesus, but Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I think as we look through the beginning to the end, light is a pretty big deal in scripture. 
Uh, when, when you learn how to, to preach and study the word and you, know, you go about the process of dissecting scripture, uh, in order to make sure that you're not a heretic preaching stuff that's false from a stage, uh, there are certain rules or laws in interpreting scripture. And we're going to go deep a little bit here at the beginning, but uh, the, the collection of laws or rules is called hermeneutics. It's the way that we study scripture and we dissect scripture. And one of the laws of hermeneutics is something called the law of first mention. And the law of first mention states that something, uh, when something shows up for the first time in Scripture, that a pattern is being established, that something is taking place that's going to be replete throughout the remainder of Scripture. And if you look at the theme of light, or even the word light, yes, it exists all throughout the Bible, but where does light first show up? It shows up at the very beginning of Scripture. In fact, the Bible says that the earth was formless, it was void, and darkness covered the deeps of the seas, and God looked upon this state of darkness and the first words out of God's mouth for all time and eternity were this, let there be light. And if hermeneutics is true and the law of first mention is true, then the first thing God says matters. The first order of business for God himself was to look at a dark situation and say, I'm not okay with that darkness. Let there be light. And, and you could say, even as you look into the New Testament, as it pertains to the Christmas story and the light of Jesus coming to earth in a dark place, that at the beginning of the New Old Testament and at the beginning of the New Testament, that this has been God's main agenda for all time and eternity, to once and for all, in the midst of a dark world, let there be light through Jesus, through his spoken word, through his presence, that light would enter dark places. And my prayer and my hope over the next couple of weeks is that as people walk into this room, or maybe you're here today, if you are living in a prolonged, unnecessary state of darkness, that a little bit of light would get in. That we'd take you, take me where the light is. That you would experience, it's okay, it's a solid C minus, but that there would be some light in your life. And we will talk a little bit more about that convergence of heaven meeting earth and Jesus uh, on the 23rd. But today, here's the, the, the area of light I want to focus in on. I want to talk about light as it pertains to you walking this path called life. To you knowing where to go, knowing how to make the right decisions, knowing when to say yes and to say no to opportunities that you're facing. The, the light of God guiding you in this journey called life. And if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open it up to the book of Psalms, chapter 119. Uh, we're going to read uh, what I would consider to be maybe one of the more famous scriptures in the Bible. Uh, but Psalms, chapter 119, we're going to read two, verses 105 and then 130, and then we're going to pray. Uh, Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. Now, that word, for word, in the Hebrew, it means debar. It is the spoken word of God. So this scripture could say, your spoken word. When I hear you talking to me, it's like a lamp to my feet and a light that guides my path. And then down in, in verse 130 of chapter 119, it says, the entrance of your word brings light. The entrance of your spoken word. When I hear you speak to me, it brings light into my life. You guys ready to preach with me a little bit this morning? Someone say yes. I need all your energy. I know it's cold in here, but if you breathe more and talk more, it'll get warmer, okay? Uh, I don't know what happened. Like, we literally turn this heater on every single day when we come in here on Sundays, and you can hang meat from the walls. I'm sorry. So don't let it deter you from church, okay? This is your, this is your persecution, sitting in cold rooms, all right? Let's pray and we're going to get into it. Uh, Jesus, we love you this morning and I thank you that you are here in our midst. 
And I thank you that Jesus, the light of the world, is present to illuminate darkness today. And Lord, uh, I don't know what everybody in the room is facing. You know every situation intimately. You know all the details. Uh, But I thank you that your desire is not to keep us in the dark, but Father, to illuminate those areas of our heart that need to be illuminated. Illuminate those areas of our life that need to be illuminated so that we could stay on the right path, so that we could see you in the midst of what we're facing. God, I pray like a light bulb in a dark room that things would just turn on today for some people and that we would leave this place transformed by your word and by your presence in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everyone said, amen. Yes, do it with some breath. Warm it up in here. There is a phrase uh, that you have probably heard before and perhaps you've uttered it before. uh, And it usually comes out of somebody's mouth when something disturbing or something awkward takes place. Uh, But it goes like this. There are some things you just can't unsee. You ever heard that before? There's some things you just cannot unsee. Uh, Like, I wish I didn't see that, but now that I've seen it, I can't unsee. And I know unsee isn't a word, but they probably came up with it in the South somewhere where they don't speak proper English. But there are some things you just can't unsee. And uh, I was talking to my wife about this because every week I always, you know, I, I, I... try out my material. What am I, a comedian? Uh, I, I share with her what I'm going to be talking about uh, on the weekends and make sure that I'm not saying anything inappropriate or, you know, that, that my theology's right. Uh, and uh, we were talking about things you can't unsee, and she reminded me of something we saw. By the way, this has nothing to do with the message, but it's awesome, and I'm going to mess you all up in just a second here. Uh, but something we saw years ago that we have not been able to shake, and every time we see this individual, this is the first thing that comes into our mind, okay? So I'm going to ruin Mission Impossible for all of you right now, okay? Okay. Can you put the pretty face of Tom Cruise on the screen for me right now? Okay. So this is Tom Cruise. All right. He's a good looking guy, you know, great head of hair. You wouldn't be able to guess he's 60 years old. I mean, he looks like he's 40. He's just, he's, things are going well for Tom. But what you may not realize about Tom is that Tom has a deformity in his mouth that you've never seen before, but after today, you're never going to not be able to see it. Okay. Show me the line. There is a tooth directly in the center of Tom Cruise's face. He's not perfect, people. Come on, tell me that won't mess you up a little bit. Every time you're looking at Tom now, you're like, oh, oh, sorry about that, Tom. All that money, can't get no dental work done. You know, it's all good. Okay, take it off the screen. It's disturbing. (laughs) There are some things you just cannot unsee. Uh, And there are a myriad of things in my life that I have seen that I wish I had never seen before. I can remember being younger and uh, I went to a scary movie. I am not a scary movie guy. None of us should be scary movie people, but I remember going to a scary movie as a teenager and I saw some stuff in that movie that I could not shake. And even as a teenager, I slept on my parents' floor for like a month and a half straight because I was terrified of this movie that I watched. Um, I remember seeing when I was younger, watching a football game and this traumatic injury, a guy's leg like kind of bent backwards and it was just really gross. And uh, I remember in that moment going, that is why I never want to play football because people get injured like that when they play football. So these things that are like singed in my brain that I haven't been able to shake. But um, at the top of the list of things that I have seen that I cannot unsee, no matter how hard I try, and, and, and those of you who have children, you, you will, you, you'll, you'll be able to, to co-sign on this with me, um, is birth. You cannot unsee birth. Like, nothing like the magic of birth to mess you up as a man, okay? (laughs) Let me offer some advice. If you have teenagers and you want them to stay abstinent, show them birthing videos. That will, I promise you, they will stay far away from people until they are good and ready to have children. Like, 
Birth will mess you up, man. Uh, Robin mentioned to you a few weeks ago uh, that um, we, and by we I mean her, uh, she decided that we were going to have a home birth. And uh, if a home birth is something that you're unfamiliar with, just take everything you know about birth and throw it out the window, okay? So like, there's no, nothing sanitary, there's no, uh, you know, no, no, no machines giving you your pulse, no pain medication, uh, no um, uh, doctors, none of those guys, okay? <laughs> like... Just picture like a candlelit room with Enya playing in the background and the smell of essential oils and these peyote smoking hippies that are called like uh, midwives and doulas. Like that's, that's what home birth is, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it's magical. It's great. Um, but I remember as we were getting prepared to do this home birth thing, like we were told that the best way to prepare was to watch birthing videos. Uh, because, you know, there's no doctors and you never know when you're going to have to step in and be a part of it. Who needs medical school when you have birthing videos? So Robin forced me to watch some birthing videos. And I'm going to spare you the gruesome details today because this is an inappropriate setting to talk about such things. But I will, I will never forget sitting down with a bowl of popcorn <laughs> getting ready to watch the magic of birth and immediately regretting the decision. Both the popcorn and the entertainment for that evening. Like, I'm like, oh my. And it's like a car accident. You can't like, not to compare birth to car accidents, but it's like, you can't look away. You're like, oh my God, what? What is that baby doing to that woman? Like, stop, for the love of God. Like, so disturbing. And I made the decision that day, I will be a part of our, but I do want to deliver the baby at all. Like, I just want to hold my baby. I'll let the other people do the delivery stuff because there is a, an image singed in my brain of a very angry Brazilian woman having a child that I cannot shake to this day. And I want to see my wife like that. I never, I never wanted that image in my head of Robin. So I stayed near her face during the burping thing. Anyway, moving on. Why? Because there's some things you just cannot unsee, right? Like we, we, we've all got that list of stuff in our lives. I think this is why scripture is so clear with us about being very careful about what our eyes take in. About being very careful about what we see. You remember that song when you were a little kid, if you grew up in church, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little eyes what you see for the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Like there's some truth to that song. You got to be careful about what you see because what you see will get in you. Jesus, one day in, uh, in, in the book of Matthew chapter six, he was teaching this crowd and he makes this statement about your eyes and about sight. And he says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. What's he saying? He's saying, Hey, what you behold ultimately has the ability to take over on the inside. It can become all-encompassing. One area, one area of, of darkness in your life isn't restricted to that one area. It can actually begin to take over everything. And we've all experienced this before. Like, isn't it interesting that a diagnosis isn't just specific to your health, but it can take over the rest of your life? Isn't it interesting that debt doesn't just deal with your finances, but it can affect your marriage, it can affect your attitude, it can affect your outlook and your interactions with people? Like one area of darkness in your life can eat away at the remainder of your life. Basically what Jesus is saying, hey, is what you see is what you're going to get. 
Whatever you're beholding, it has the ability to take over your life. Now, if that statement is true, and I think we've all experienced that it is, let me ask you a provoking question this morning. What do you see in your life right now? As you survey your relationships, as you survey the outlook for your future, as you survey God's plan and his purpose for your life, is it bright and filled with light? Or does it feel like maybe there's some darkness? They're like, well, there's some. It's only a matter of time before that some becomes all. What do you see? And listen, wherever you're at on that continuum, whether you feel like you're living the greatest life on the planet right now or you're in a season of darkness, here's the truth I want us all to be convinced of before we leave this place today. And here's what I want to take the next few moments and explore. We must be able to see what God says if we are going to walk on the path God has called us to walk on. Now, I I know that sounds paradoxical because you're like, okay, see what God says. Like, you hear what somebody says. You don't see what somebody says. But I would propose to you today, based on the scriptures we're going to dive into, that we must all see what God says if we're going to stay on the path that he has called us to walk. Come back to uh, Psalms chapter 119, verse 105 for just a moment. And here's, here's what the author says. He says, uh, your word, your spoken word to me is like a lamp unto my feet and it is a light to my path. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, a lamp is, is rather obvious. That one makes sense. I think we can all wrap our heads around this. It's like uh, they used to have these little uh, votive kind of things and there'd be oil on the bottom of it and they would light a wick and there'd be a little bit of fire and that little lamp is what the Bible's saying is guiding the feet. So we, we, get the, we get the little lamp, the little light. But then he says, it's also like a light to my path. Now, this word light in the Hebrew is the word or, and here's what it means. It means sudden and complete illumination. It would be like you walking into a dark room and flipping on a light switch and in one moment, pfft, Everything that was dark became light. Um, the, the application of this word in, in ancient text was uh, it was in a tent. And if you were sitting in a tent and it was dark in the tent and somebody opened up the flap of that tent, then all of the light on the outside would make its way into the inside and you can see everything on the inside of the tent. That's the word picture that the author is using here. And he says, so your, your word, when I hear you talking to me, it's like complete illumination to my path and it's like a little light that guides my feet. Now that might seem like, like, okay, why do we need both? Like if if the whole path is illuminated, why do I need a little lamp to guide my feet? That doesn't make any sense. But I I wanna suggest yet again that you need both path illumination and you need step determination. Oh, that was said like a Baptist preacher right there. You need path illumination and you need step determination. This scripture has been messing with me all week. And, and here's the deal. I, 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 I hate saying things like this because they sound like fabricated and grandiose. But I, I promise you this is truth. This is not just something that a preacher is saying. This has changed the way I've looked at my life this week. It's changed the way I've prayed. It's changed the way I've gone to the word of God and I've read. And, and I believe that if you pay attention and you tune in today, I believe it has the ability to change yours as well. Because you do need both. You need the illumination of the path. And you need the determination of your steps. Here is what life looks like when you come to God. And this is where the the light bulb came on for me. 
Uh, Isaac, if you could, could you take down all the lights in the room for just a moment? By the way, it's a series called Let There Be Light. We're probably going to do this a lot, so get used to it, all right? Here's how life works. We're walking around in darkness, and things don't make much sense, and we're trying to figure out how to do this thing called life or how, how to have the marriage that we all want or how to open the business or uh, pr get promoted in the company or go down the list of things that we're all trying to figure out in the darkness. And then maybe one day through prayer or one day through prophetic word, someone comes to us and they pray for us or maybe we're reading the Bible, whatever the case may be, it's like that or word. All of a sudden, pff, all the lights come back on. If you could turn those on, Isaac. And we can see clearly, okay, this is what God has for me. He has that kind of a marriage for me. He has that kind of a future for me. He has that kind of a business for me. He has that kind of a church for me. This is what the call, the plan, the purpose of my life is, is supposed to be. And it's like, oh, the lights come on and everything's great. But then it seems as just as quickly as the lights came on, suddenly they came off again. We're like, whoa, okay, okay. I, 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 saw, I saw the plan, I saw the purpose, I saw the future. Here's the problem. I don't know how to get there from here. Like I see the big vision, but practically what steps am I supposed to take to get there? And so God says, hey, you don't just need to have a big light to illuminate what the future could look like, but you also need a little light to guide your steps. Because here's the deal. If I don't have any light guiding my steps, I could trip over some stuff in life. I could trip over a couple of bad decisions. I could get involved in a few bad relationships. I could make a few bad investments. All because I'm trying to do it in the dark. But when I have a little lamp to guide my steps, suddenly I'm like, okay, I remember where it was at. Oh, and this is, God said, take this step. And oh, here, uh, say yes to that job opportunity. And oh, no, don't, don't get involved in that relationship right there. And, and suddenly I have this little light that can guide me to the future that God has for me. Without it, I'm left trying to walk around in the dark and I'm tripping and I'm falling and things are not going well. But if I just stay close to that little light, then I can see where God is trying to take me. You need both the big light and you need the little light. You need the path illumination and you need the step determination. Thank you, Isaac. You can turn the lights back on. This is, this is how it seems to work in our, turn off, wait for it, technology. That's how it seems to work, doesn't it? Like, I think we've all experienced that before. Like, there's the future. Poof, the lights go off. How do I get there? Like, this is how it was for Abraham. God said, hey, go to a mountain. I'm going to show you. Cool, God. Where do you want me to go? Oh, I'll show you. Just take one step. Hey, David, you're going to be king. I'm 16. How am I supposed to get there? Just one step at a time. One step at a time. Joseph has a dream at 17 years old. I don't know how to get there, God. I told my brothers, and they threw me in a pit. One step at a time, one step at a time. This is how it works. When we started thinking about this church five years ago, when God planted the idea of the Father's House San Francisco in our hearts, it did not come with an instruction manual. It was not like, okay, here's the next couple of steps you're gonna take over the next five years, and then you show up here, and here we are, December 2nd, and oh, that's great. No, it was a progressive journey of step by step, by prayer, by fasting, by step. This is what life looks like. And if you're like me, that's frustrating. <laughs> like, God, couldn't you just keep the lights on? Couldn't you make it a little bit easier on us? Couldn't, couldn't you just leave the light on so that we could see the path and the steps to get there? It would make it a whole lot easier for all of us. 
Why does it seem, especially if you're new to Jesus, why does it seem like you're on this high and then all of a sudden it feels like you don't even know what step to take next? Here's why. Let me suggest this thought to you. I think the reason that there is a lamp to guide our steps rather than a big light leaving everything on is because a lamp requires intimacy. It requires closeness. That little flame isn't going to illuminate everything. You have to stay close to the lamp in order to get to where you're supposed to go. God is far more concerned with your intimacy on the journey than he is your destination. Why? Because your intimacy on the journey determines whether or not that destination is going to destroy you. If you get there too fast, if you get there before you're developed, then the very destination you're headed to could take you out. Yeah, maybe God does have a great business for your future, and maybe he wants to pour resource through you, and it's in the millions and millions of dollars. But he knows that if he got you there too fast and he just left the whole path illuminated, that pride would begin to seep in and greed would begin to seep in and you would think you got there on your own. Yes, maybe he does have the perfect spouse for you. And you're like, but I'm not even dating anybody right now. Well, perhaps it is that God doesn't want you to date that person right now because they're not the man or the woman of God that they're supposed to be right now. And that relationship would be devastating rather than taking you to the destination of marriage that he has for you. Yes, maybe he has called you to great things, but he's not ready to put you on a stage yet because there's still some issues of pride that need to be worked out because when you're there, he wants you to give him all the glory and not take it for yourself. He is far more concerned with the intimacy on that journey than the destination you're going to. Who gets you there? Just make sure that you don't get there prematurely. Take the one step at a time the illumination of your steps so that you don't make some bad decisions along the way. Now, if, if that is all true, and I hope it is, because <laughs> I'm preaching it, but if that is all true, then herein lies the million-dollar question for all of us to answer today. If hearing God's voice is so crucial, so pivotal to our success as believers— then why does it feel sometimes like it is so stinking hard to hear God's voice? Like, have you ever wondered that? Like, it's a big question. I remember years ago when we were youth pastors, uh, we would do this thing every year called Peel the Banana. And it was a, uh, a free-for-all question and answer session where we would take a Wednesday night throughout the year and we would let students ask any question they wanted of a couple of people on the stage and we were forced to answer them right in front of God and everybody. And uh, there were some crazy questions. Students asked some very interesting questions. Uh, there was one kid. I hated this kid. Uh, he would ask the same questions every single time. And one of them was really dumb and the other one was like perplexing. He was like, can God heat up a burrito so hot that even he can't eat it? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we get it. You said that the last 18 times. But the other one was, did Adam have a belly button? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't need a belly button, did he? He wasn't in his mother's womb. That's a great question. We'll have to ask God when we get there. But without fail, <laughs> that's going to mess with someone for the rest of the month. Like, <laughs> research it out and tell me what you found next week, all right? But, but, but without fail, at the top of the list of questions, every single year we did this was, how do I hear God's voice? How do I know what God's saying to me? If these scriptures are so, so true that God's word, his spoken voice to us is like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, 
how do I hear God's voice? I think all of us want to know that. In fact, if you were to Google it today, you would find 41,200,000 results on how to hear God's voice. There's a lot of people out there trying to figure it out. There's a lot of sermons on it. Like, well, it's a frequency. You have to tune into God's frequency. Um, it's like, he only speaks in a whisper. Just listen closely. Like, there's a lot of sermons on there about it. Everyone wants to know. But man, if we spent the rest of our lives researching all 41 million of those articles, spent an hour reading one article per day, you've only got 657,000 hours in this life, guys. Like, we're going to research ourselves to death never hearing God's voice. Why does it seem so hard? Ask yourself this question. In fact, let me make a statement, then we'll ask it. Maybe it doesn't have to be that hard. Like, if God was so aware that hearing his voice was pivotal for us, as a good God, do you think that he would make it nearly impossible some, sometimes to hear him? No, of course not. Like, if this was so important, he wouldn't make it difficult for us. In fact, Jesus said uh, in John chapter 10, he said, My sheep will know my voice. They will be able to discern when I'm talking and what I'm saying. By very nature of that promise, if you are a Christian, if you are in relationship with Jesus, it is not something you should have to strain to do. It's a promise from God. You will hear his voice. You will know what he sounds like. In fact, it is an identifier for you. Hearing his voice is what makes you his sheep. Ah, like, we know his voice. So, so maybe we need to uncomplicate what religion and intellect have made far too complicated for us. Maybe it's not as difficult as we think it is. Come back to Psalms with me, the second one that we read today. Psalm 119, 130. It said, the entrance of your word brings light. The entrance of your word brings light. A lot of Hebrew today, but that word entrance is the word pethach. Want to say it with me? One, two, three. Pethach. Go and spit on your neighbor. It's great. Pethach. A lot of in the Hebrew language. Pethach. And here's what it means. It means the opening or unfolding of a word. The opening or unfolding of your word is what illuminates my life. Now, I don't know about you, but I cannot open or unfold any of my words. I can't say, Jesus loves you. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> There's really only one way you can open or unfold a word. It is to read it. This is the only way to open or unfold God's spoken word. If you are ever wondering what God is saying, here's your answer. Let me make this statement, and, and I believe this wholeheartedly. Here's how God talks. Here's how God speaks. If you want to know what God sounds like, here it is. Ready? God speaks through and according to his word. He speaks through and he speaks according to his word. Can God talk to you in prayer? Absolutely. Can God speak to you through a song? Absolutely. Can he speak to you in nature? You bet. Can he speak to you through the counsel of a friend? Yes. Can he talk to you in a house or with a mouse or in a truck and by a duck? Absolutely. He can do all those things. Sam, I am. Yes, he can. 
<laughs> that rhymed too. That's awesome. <laughs> but it will always be through or according to his word. How do you know if what you're hearing in prayer is from God? Is it according to his word? How do you know if the counsel you're getting from your hairdresser is from God? Does it align with his word? How do you know if when you're listening to that Bruno Mars song and it's like God is speaking to you that it's God and not bad pizza you ate the night before? You got to align it with his word. He has given us a couple thousand pages of his spoken word that we can study, that we can know, and that the promise is every time we crack open, it's like light coming into our life. This is why it is absolutely imperative, believer, that you have a daily discipline in God's word, that you open up the Bible because every day you are taking steps in your life. Every day you are asking, should I take this job? Should I date this guy? Probably not. Should I, should I go here? Should I say yes to that? And the only way you'll know the answer to those things is by turning on your flashlight and going, is this the right step for me to take? Is this the right direction for me to go? And his word will illuminate your path and it'll keep you from making a lot of bad decisions in life. I am convinced, and I will preach this till I'm blue in the face, that the reason so many people live in darkness is because they are illiterate in God's word. Listen, it is not my job to read the Bible for you. That's not what they say on the pastor's resume, like, you know, find some funny things to say, read the Bible for everybody and spoon feed it to them. No, this is God's letter to you. We have got to be people of the word if we're going to avoid some pitfalls in life and if we're going to run after everything he has for us. Get into your Bible. Let me show you this challenge. Uh, it's December 2nd. There's 29 days left in this year. Take the next 29 days and say, I'm going to give God 20 minutes every single day and I'm going to be in his word. I've never read the Bible. I don't know where to start. Start in the Gospels. That's fine. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, start there and just keep reading. Please don't start in Job. My God. Okay. <laughs> I had a guy tell me once, he's like, well, I opened it up and I turned to Job because I needed a job. I thought that's what it said. It's a job. And I'm like, that was probably a pretty miserable 30 days, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, it was a depressing book. I'm like, just go to Matthew. It's a lot nicer. It's great. If you're in a season right now where you need some advice and some wisdom in life, open up the book of Proverbs. There's 31. You can read a proverb every single day. I heard a Cajun pastor say one time, a proverb a day keeps the stupid away. Come on, that's good advice. Read a proverb a day and you won't be making some bad decisions anymore. Like, we have got to get into God's word. And I can tell you, it has never ceased to amaze me the number of times I have read something in the Word in the morning and then about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, I am faced with an opportunity to apply the very thing that I read that day. God is faithful. Come on. He doesn't want to leave you out there to figure stuff on your own. He has given you the ability to equip yourself by his word so that what you face that day has been already sown into your spirit and you can put it into application right then and there. He knows what Bible verse you need to read today. He knows what advice you need to receive so that you don't take the wrong step. You just got to be faithful to say, God, I'm here to listen. What do you want to say today? 20 minutes a day. Let, let's be people of the word this month and let's believe that God's going to speak to us. And I believe, 
I believe that there will be testimonies even in the next 29 days of people that were facing a decision or facing an obstacle. And through God's word, he's going to equip you with the answer you need or the direction you should go so that you don't make a bad decision, but you stay on path and you run after everything he has for you. Amen? Amen. Band, you can come. And I'm going to, I'm going to share one, uh, one brief story as we land. I, uh, I, I, I never want to become the guy that says, you know, I'm, I've got it all figured out. But if there's one thing I have figured out in life, I've figured out my desperate need for God's word. Um, I, am, I am a faithful reader of the word of God. Uh, I would say that it is probably uh, my strongest discipline as a Christian is being in the word. Uh, prayer is probably my weakest. I'm sorry if that is a disclaimer that makes you feel uncomfortable being in our church. But um, the Bible is something I love to read because it never fails to speak to me. I love God's word. And uh, I shared with you a moment ago about, you know, the starting of this church and uh, the prayer life and Bible reading that kind of charted our steps to be here. Let me, let me share one that might be more applicable because I know not everybody in the room is starting a church. Uh, and if you are, please talk to me about that first. Um, <laughs> I've got some advice. Um, I remember in 2005, excuse me, 2005, yes, five, um, I jumped into a, a career in real estate out in Solano County, and uh, we still work in real estate out there uh, today, not out here, so don't ask me about anything out here. I don't know. Um, but uh, when we jumped into real estate, um, the market was great and everything was awesome, and I mean, you could sneeze and, and, and make money, and it was, it was great. It was, it was the best season ever. Uh, but shortly after I got involved in, in the real estate business, uh, we all know what happened a few years later. Uh, there was a, a great recession. And a lot of people were losing homes and people were not making money anymore. And a lot of real estate people got out of the business because they said, this is, this is definitely not the best way to make money right now. We need a real job and a paycheck we can count on, not the self-employed thing. And I remember about the same time um, I went to a conference in Seattle, Washington, uh, Washington called Prosperity for a Purpose. And I heard a, a number of people speak about God using their businesses as a way to channel income into the kingdom of God and to help the under-resourced and uh, to be a blessing to others. They, they learned about the Abrahamic promise that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people. And I thought to myself on that trip, hey, I'm a young guy and a new career here in real estate and things don't look so great right now, but um, I'm going to trust that God wants to bless me so that I can be a blessing to other people. So I went back home and um, I didn't quite know what God wanted me to do with our business, but uh, I just started praying about it and asking God to bless us. And it seemed like doors weren't opening and business was drying up and things were looking a little bit bleak. Um, but about that same time, I heard my pastor cast a vision for something called the Vacaville Storehouse. The Vacaville Storehouse was going to be a place, a resource center for under-resourced people in our community where in the midst of recession, when people were losing their houses and couldn't afford food any longer, that the church was going to be a light in the midst of darkness and it was going to provide for the practical needs of people through the storehouse. And the pastor shared it with some people and some business guys and he said, here's what it's going to cost and we don't have the money. So I hope that God gives you a vision for your business so that we can fund this Vacaville storehouse to feed people. I remember going home and it's like, okay, God, uh, I see the vision. It's, you've, you've illuminated it to me. It's clear that that's what you want me to be a part of, but I don't have much. I got a failing business in real estate right now. I'm a young guy that hasn't been around the block. I don't have this database of clients. What do you want me to do? And I just felt like God was saying, keep reading my word. Keep reading my word. I promise you, just keep reading my word. I'll make it clear to you what to do next. One day I was sitting in my office and I was reading uh, the story of Joseph. And I'll 
spare you all the details, but there comes a time in Joseph's life where he is sitting the right hand of Pharaoh after going through a lot of stuff to get there. And Pharaoh asks for interpretation of his dreams. And uh, that's how Joseph gets to this point of authority. And uh, Pharaoh dreams about a time of plenty and then a time of lack. And he says uh, to jo uh, Joseph, says to Pharaoh, here's what God's telling me about your dream. During the seven years, while things are plentiful, I want you to store up one fifth of all the grain, of all, the, all the, the good stuff in the kingdom. Because in this time of lack, there will be a storehouse that has enough grain and enough food available to those who are in need. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I read that scripture. He said, if you will commit to storing up one fifth, to giving away one fifth of your business, one fifth of everything that comes in through the door, 20%, then I will be able to use you to make a storehouse so that when there's lack, there will be plenty for those that are in need. And I said, God, by your word, through this promise that I read in the Bible this morning, I promise you, I'll give you a fifth of everything. Time went on. A couple weeks later, I get this random phone call out of the blue. It's from a bank that is looking for a real estate agent to sell their foreclosure properties in Solano County. That phone call turns into another phone call, which turns into another phone call, which turns into me having 15 to 20 different accounts with all of the major financial institutions using me to sell their bad assets in the midst of a depression market. We went from no business to selling 150 to 200 homes a year, making more money in down seasons in the worst season of real estate than I ever made in the best season of real estate. Why? Because I promised God I wouldn't hold on to it myself, but I would give it away and I would use our resource to help people who are in need. The Vacaville storehouse was built and today, 35,000 people every single month are being fed from the Vacaville storehouse as a result of obedient business people saying, God wants to use us, bless us, so that we can be a blessing to other people. Now, I don't tell you that to brag about anything, but to say there was a day when I opened up and unfolded the word of God and the entrance of his word brought light and brought clarity to what I was supposed to do. And I can trace back, I, every time I look at that building, I can trace back a moment in scripture where God said, you opened up my word and I talked to you and you did what I told you to do. How many businesses are waiting to be unfolded in this word? How many opportunities are waiting for you on the other side of just opening up his word and letting it bring light into your life? How many marriages will be restored? How many people walking into God's call for their life? Come on, we have got to be people that are willing to open up this word and not do anything until God speaks to us. And the outcome, he'll make your path clear. He'll illuminate your steps and you'll fulfill the very call for your life in Jesus' name, amen? Come on, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.